1: PUTT is a not-for-profit industry watchdog organization dedicated to exposing the truth about the shady, abusive practices of pharmacy benefit managers and how they affect American patients, healthcare providers, and taxpayers. On the Puttcast, we'll talk to pharmacy industry experts, influencers, and patients, always with the goal of bringing the truth, transparency, and solutions to America's prescription drug affordability crisis.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this month's episode of the Puttcast. This is the podcast brought to you by the Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency. And I'm Lauren Young, I'm the vice president of Putt. And we are so excited to have my friends join us today. We have our friends from Pisney the Pharmacist Society for the State of New York. And we have Heather Farisi, the president of PISNI. We have a returning guest, Steve Moore, who's the owner of Condo Pharmacy, as well as a PISNI member and a very active supporter of PUT. We appreciate that, Steve. And we have Greg Reibel, the director of healthcare policy and general counsel for APCI. Welcome, everyone. Thank, Thank you
0: for having us. Yeah, yeah. we're here.
2: So Heather, as the president of Pisney. I'm going to get started with you and kind of let our listeners know, how did New York get to the point of this very large, fun surprise of being able to have the Medicaid carve-out start April 1st?
0: Well, it has been a long, treacherous road, I guess is what I would say. Um, This was an initiative that was actually in 2019 set for the fiscal year of 2020 and at the 11th hour um, legislation was put into place to delay for two years. So PisNI immediately took steps to Enact what we called the pharmacy rescue package, where we kind of came up with something to sidestep that, which was also delayed. But this has been a very long process on on behalf of Pisney.
3: Yeah, and Lauren, I think it's great to be back with you. You know, like we were talking about earlier. You were in New York when we did our rally back in 2020, you know, for fee for service. So we, we appreciate Put support, uh, um, Monique and, and the team, Shannon. You know, you guys have been incredible supporters of Pisney for a long time now. And Lauren going as far as to to fly into our state capitol for for a rally. Um, much appreciated, you know, to, to help us spread the word to, you know, members not only here in New York, but throughout the country. I think this this Medicaid fee for service initiative um is something we're seeing. I believe we're the fourth state in the country to do, something my friend Greg can talk about. Um, you know, Greg, you've been helping us out in New York. God, was it 2018? In Austin, Texas, we it was the Putt Summit with uh with then Senator Scufus, Assemblyman Scoofus, who's now Senator Scoofus. Um, you know, it, it's been a long time and a lot of hard work by a lot of people. And uh Putt's been one of our, our our biggest allies throughout the whole fight. So we, we really appreciate all your support and thrilled to be here today to, to share our experiences.
2: I I absolutely love Senator Scoofus and really getting to hear him talk about his uh investigative reporting that he has had his committee do into PBMs. I know there's PUT members across the country and obviously uh, Pisney members who appreciate that hard work because we can go back to our legislators in other states and show them that this is not just a pie in the sky thought. This is not independent pharmacies saying, you know, oh, woe is us. PBMs are doing this, MCOs are doing this. There's really cold hard facts that Senator Scoofus and his committee were able to get to us. And we appreciate that.
3: Yeah. And we're in incredibly blessed to have him as a pharmacy champion you know he started in the lower of our two houses is the assembly, getting to know his local pharmacists. And you know, when he became a state senator, he asked to chair um, the Senate Invest- Investigations Committee, which had not been active. Um, the Senate flipped, you know, at the time he was elected to the Senate, it flipped from Republican to Democratic control. So in New York, all of our branches of government became you know, controlled by the Democrats. And he asked for that assignment and he made his first investigation you know, into, into PBMs. And that had come off the work that, that Pisney had done and, and promoted with Putts help. We worked with a group called Three Access Advisors, who I don't know that Eric and Antonio need much of an introduction all these years later, uh, but back then they were, they were just kind of getting started. They had done some incredible work in Ohio, and we we did everything we could to, to bring them to New York. You know, that was a decision made, you know, by the Pisney board. You know, Heather was a member at that time as well, and it was something that we felt was incredibly important to bring data you know to our stories you know we 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 realized we couldn't just tell stories as anecdotes we needed cold hard facts and and we knew that we didn't know how to do that Um, and then we saw the work of of 46 brooklyn and we were able to to work with them to to get the information we needed from not only our pharmacies but from the state to kind of do a comparison of you know managed care and, and what was actually happening in new york according to to the numbers of the managed care entities themselves so incredibly powerful message when you have the data. It's a very easy story to tell. And we hope to see uh more of our colleagues in other states follow follow suit. Hopefully, you know, in New York, we we were going to be one of the first. We're still one of the first. Um, California did such great work last year. You know, so here in New York we're we're using them as an example for what maybe another big, big state can do, another blue state, you know, we do have to be cognizant of, of the politics that exist. So mm-hmm. it definitely helps that, that we're able to look back and say California had a had a good first year with a carve out. Um, helps to alleviate a lot of the concerns that that our legislator and that our our Department of Health here in New York has. And we are moving forward full steam ahead for an April 1st start date.
2: It's always hard when the state agencies do kind of put up those additional roadblocks. It's hard enough getting to the legislators and getting them to understand exactly what happens in our business and getting them to understand this really does impact the taxpayers. It impacts patients, their constituents. And so then to have a state agency You know, kind of get back on their haunches and say, Oh, I'm not sure if this is what we want to do. This might cost money, things like that. That is really impressive that New York was able to get this to the goal line, cross the finish line. I know how hard Steve, you worked and Heather and all of the PISNI members really, really did to get this accomplished. And that is no small feat.
3: Yeah. And we have some incredible champions in the legislature. You know, we we mentioned Senator Scoofus. You know, we've got Assemblyman John McDonald. I've got, of course, you know, mention him. He's a former pharmacy owner and the only pharmacist in in our state legislator. Um, But we do have some great people that work for our Department of Health, you know, and some people that understand and they get it. They, You know, know, kind of as I I think they've advanced in their careers, you know, they've brought a new perspective and a new way of thinking to DOH, where maybe there's more to the story than what the managed care entities are telling. Um, You know, one thing in New York we have... Um, we're on track to have 7.9 million lives and beneficiaries in our Medicaid program by June. So when we talk pharmacy, when we talk stuff like you know, moving back to fee-for-service, everybody hears about the dispensing fee and they Mm -hmm. take that number and it's like, we're gonna go from getting on average 50 cents under a managed care model to $10.18 is is our statutory rate here in New York, you know, but they take that difference, they multiply it by the number of prescriptions and you're looking at a heck of a lot of money in a pretty big increase. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we know there's more to the story. We know there's supplemental rebates involved, there's other inefficiencies, there's all sorts of way that the state's gonna get that money back so we were incredibly thrilled last week to see a 400 million dollar fiscal attached to the first year of the carve out. Um, the second year of the carve out is more than half a billion dollars that New York State is estimating to save, um, you know by moving back to fee for service. Um, what is New York State doing with that money? They're returning it to the community. They're doing a five percent increase across the board for hospital providers, so that's an incredible thing for you know our communities, for our, our hospitals as we come out of COVID. They're returning that money to the 340B covered entities that may be doing some 340B scripts in this managed care model. You know the states identified that that's a potential point where we're, you know we could cause some harm if we make sure that those entities aren't kept whole. So they've identified you know a few hundred million to return to those entities. Um, right now, do those entities think that's enough? No. <laughs> so that's kind of where we stand here on on February 7th, you know, you know as we move towards our lobby day and then the rest of this lobbying session is how do we make the dollars work for those covered entities that are doing good work? While at the same time realizing that the intent of the Medicaid program is not to provide wraparound services for, for 340B covered entities. You know, they're doing great work with mm-hmm. for those dollars, but the intent of the prescription drug program is to provide prescription drug services. And we have to make sure that our, our pharmacy providers are, are, are kept whole, first and foremost. Um, they can identify other ways to, to pursue dollars for wraparound services, but as we know, pharmacists, so we only get paid one way right now.
2: That is amazing. I know, I think that really exemplifies the whole healthcare team that you're talking about, the providers getting uh, an additional ability to help take care of patients with that 5%. And that is incredible. I think that we're seeing on the national level that there's a lot of other provider groups, whether it's oncologists, rheumatologists, or um, state med societies that are really coming on board because of their patients being harmed by what the PBMs and the MCOs are doing in the state Medicaid space. Really appreciate that. Um, Greg, on a national level, what are you seeing? I mean, New York is going to be the fourth state in the country. I know some people, as Steve mentioned, in other states um, may not have jumped on board the uh, fee-for-service train yet because they haven't quite seen any real savings, either because they think West Virginia is too small to really be a fair representation of what can happen in their state, or what, what would you what advice would you give to our listeners who may be in that boat and can't really see the, the light yet?
1: Yeah. And so I, I don't know that that this is necessarily advice, but what I would say is this. This is You know, New York right now, in terms of the Medicaid reform and drug pricing reform, you know, from my perspective, is very much center of the universe, right? New York is a big state. It is a big Medicaid state. The dollars at stake for the Medicaid managed care companies and the PBMs, I would venture to say it's like make-believe money, right? The money that they are sucking out of the prescription drug system in the state of New York is massive. And so the win can't, it can't be understated. And I think what's important is this win wasn't easy, right? This was more than, you know, some pharmacists going to the Capitol and, and sort of complaining, you know, to Steve's point about reimbursements with anecdotes, right? Pisney did the work. Steve did the work, right? The pharmacists did the work that it took and they rolled up their sleeves and it wasn't easy. It took a really long time. There were like these jubilant highs, and then there were these, you know, just just gut punch lows. And they kept fighting throughout. Right? They went out and they engaged forty six Brooklyn. They worked with Senator Scoofus, who you know I, I I work with state representatives and senators across the country, and he is he is up there, right? Cream of the crop, just super super sharp, gets it, um, you know, prepared this again, nation leading report. And they just kept the foot on the pedal and they kept fighting and they found ways to get it done, right? As, as recently as, Steve, what was it, a month or two ago that you all sort of had that virtual rally? And, you know, to me, it was inspiring just to see mm-hmm. the, the, the pharmacists who were willing to step up and just keep fighting for this. And so this is really, really significant. And I think what's exciting is that they are identifying these massive savings. And I'll tell you what, there are savings that haven't even been quantified yet. Right? Like, you know, you you cut out the administrative costs um, and there's, you know, huge savings there. You get the supplemental rebates, there's savings there. But I would venture to say, and I could be wrong, so feel free to correct me. I'd venture to say they probably haven't even cracked the surface in terms of the games that are played with specialty drugs Mm -hmm. and the drug pricing manipulation there. And everybody gets excited about the dispensing fee. But, you know, what we're talking about now is instead of sort of this amorphous prescription drug pricing, there's going to be transparent drug pricing. There's going to be a fair dispensing fee, but it's also going to cut out on a lot of the manipulation, the specialty market and the steering. And what you're going to find is, you know, some of the sickest patients in New York are going to be able to go to their trusted pharmacy for the care that they want. So Mm -hmm. and, and that's there's going to be savings there, too. So I think states need to take note. I'd also say, look, I've been in a lot of PBM fights, frankly, I've been most of the ones I've been involved with, not because of me, but we've won. But what I'll say is this, I've been in some carve-out fights and lost. Carve-out is a really, really hard fight, but mm-hmm. in a state in like New York where Managed Care put up the biggest walls possible because there's so much money in the PBMs and the New York pharmacists and Pisney found a way to win should inspire pharmacists across the country to keep fighting for prescription drug reform, keep fighting for transparency, and keep fighting for carve outs. So it's, you know, again, I I think it's inspirational stuff. And I also, I came up in in state associations, and I'm a big fan of state associations and the work they do as well as the national. And again, I think, you know, Pisney comes out of this looking just fantastic, and a beacon for what state associations can do when members buy in and believe.
2: Absolutely. I think that Pisney really has shown their members that they have put their money where their mouth is. They are fighting for the independent owners. And Heather, I know that as the president of PISNI, uh, trying to keep your members engaged, especially with what New York, whenever they were the epicenter of COVID and everything that's happened in the last couple of years, trying to make sure they stayed engaged in this fight and making sure that it didn't fall off the radar or it wasn't just brushed aside because there was going to be an end to this pandemic or a point in the pandemic where we were going to be able to talk about other things. And so keeping this as a top of mind awareness point for your members, I'm sure was crucial. And then trying to make sure they stayed engaged with their legislators. Now, after the announcement happened, that it was going to be included in Governor Hochul's budget and there was going to be the carve out actually starting on April 1st. And it wasn't just some cruel April Fool's Day joke to the pharmacists in New York that this was actually going to be happening. So can you talk a little bit about how you are wanting your membership to stay engaged, especially now that you're in the final two months before this implementation?
0: Absolutely. And I I think, you know, Foot on the gas is is a phrase that we've been using this past week. Um, It definitely has been a challenge. You know, COVID really took over the pharmacy industry, obviously, for the past couple of years, and we did experience some burnout with our members. But, you know, Steve is being very modest and very humble, as he always is. But Steve is obviously our past president, and we have the past leadership that has stayed engaged and really helped. You know continue to move this towards the goal line our executive director um, Deanna Butler has been amazing along with the rest of the Pisney staff to develop advocacy toolkits um, right now we have an advocacy toolkit that's available on our website that gives each owner or each member you know a step-by-step playbook of what they should be doing in district with their own representatives It also comes with um, some postcards that some are already addressed to Governor Hochul and some are blank so that you can send them to both your Senate and Assembly representatives. So even if they're not able to make a big Albany Day, we want those representatives to be aware that this is still in the front of pharmacy's mind. Our foot is still on the gas. We will not give up until this actually happens. You know, I think there's a lot of, angst around the situation knowing that, you know, we had gotten so close um, in years past only to have the delay happen. And I think there's a lot of folks that just really wanna see this over the goal line. And we've had fundraisers to keep it in um, everyone's forefront. Um, Steve is actually chairing a task force that was created that's had weekly meetings with our leadership and very engaged members. And we have spent a lot of our public relations time working with our team to make sure that this stays in, in the front of everyone's mind, because I think that while there's been a lot of great work done, I think there's also some apprehension until it's actually implemented that you know there's still a little bit of nervousness. So it definitely takes takes a village per se to get this done.
3: We remain incredibly excited to to have fee-for-service as part of the governor's uh, fiscal year 2023-2024 budget. Um, you know, we're cautiously optimistic, as Heather had said, about it being taken away at the last minute. So we're doing everything we can over these next two months. We've said it before, pedal to the metal, don't leave anything in the tank. Let's make sure this finally happens here in New York once and for all. And Steve, if I could
1: just sort of piggyback on that, the work never stops, right? And so, obviously, you guys are going to keep working to make sure that this is implemented. But work goes beyond that, and so for the pharmacists in New York who are at Pisney members, probably never a better time than now to sign up and help you drive that change because there's still work to do. And on the national front, again, I would always encourage pharmacists out there to get involved. But one of my absolute favorite organizations. Um, and fighting the fight out there. And then, of course, if you're in another state, your state organization and NCPA is up in D.C. fighting every every single day as well. So this is this is the time for folks to get engaged if they're not engaged yet.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I think you guys being so close, I think you know that this is still that critical time. We've all seen the vultures at PCMA swoop into the different state capitals and try to throw in their false talking points and really uh, try to get their false information spread as far as they can. And so I think that it's imperative to make sure that your members are still communicating with their legislative officials to make sure they stay top of mind because every pharmacist can have an example, definitely weekly, if not almost every day of some Medicaid member that We'll be able to get better access through this fee for service.
3: Lauren, can I just touch on what you said real quick? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you talked about every pharmacist can have an example weekly, and that's what we need to be doing. You know, we need to start to collect and gather this data so that it's there when we need to tell our stories. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that was, you know, we were playing catch up in so many ways in 2019 because we had to get the data and we had to tell the story, but we had to wait till we had the data. So. You know, we all know what's going on in our pharmacies. Collect that data, have that data, you know, find a way. And and I'd recommend three access advisors, you know, Antonio now and and Ben and his team there, they do fantastic work. If you're looking, you know, talk to your state association, you know, what can you do as a group, but start collecting that data so that it's there for for when you need it. um, First and foremost, we're excited because here in New York, like you said, we're the last 60 days, we have... um, joint testimony between our Senate and Assembly health committees at the end of the month so Heather gets to do that for us this year she's an incredible Advocate she tells this story incredibly well she's firm she's polite but she leaves no room for argument and I, I love the way that she she shares this story and she talks to people because she can do it in a way where you can tell that she's passionate you can tell that it's important but it's also done in a way that contains facts. And and it's everything out. It's not just an angry pharmacy owner. And I think we've got to get away from that. It's very difficult sometimes, I know, because we care about our businesses, we care about our patients, but we have to tell the story in a way that's going to resonate with the people that we're talking to.
2: Absolutely. And I remember being in Albany and being there with the different New York pharmacists. And there were reporters that came up, or even just other spectators that were going into the governor's state of the state address. And there were pharmacists that were talking, and they were not shy to make sure that their patient stories were told. You know, there's been some states where pharmacists say, you know, oh, that's just what I went to school to do. I've done that 10 times this week. I helped. 12 Mrs. Smiths save money on their prescriptions. We help do this, this, and this, because that's what you guys want to do. You have a passion for taking care of your customers. But I've always been told that when there's no margin, there's no mission. And so if you are going to want to take care of those customers, you have to be able to be fiscally responsible and making sure you can keep taking care of them. And I think pushing for this fee-for-service carve-out and making sure that the MCOs are not just getting a blank check from your state legislators are exactly what you guys needed to be doing to put your patients in the forefront.
3: And we had to make an investment. You know, we, we talked about gathering the data, making the investment of time. We had to invest our money too you know PR doesn't come free lobbyists don't you know they, they do great work they deserve to be paid that's why it's so important to be a member of your state association to, to belong to groups like put put does great work but put exists because pharmacists care they they put their money where their mouth is so it's important to do that. And the national groups and CPA, I'm obviously biased. I'm a vice president. You know, I think, I think that they, they do a nice job and they try really hard. Um, I think APHA has come a long way in the last few years as well to, to tell the story of what's going on in community pharmacies. And you know, some of those stories involve independent owners. They just talked about DIRs, I think, in a, in a, in a tweet earlier today. So I, I think there's so many pharmacy organizations that do great work. It's nice that we've all kind of come together Um, in the last few years around this this PBM issue. Mm -hmm. You know, not only you mentioned some of our allied healthcare professionals, but it's nice that the pharmacy community has Mm -hmm. kind of united behind this one. And I I think that it's just time for pharmacists to, to step up and to get involved. And, you know, especially our owners, you know, it's like it or not, it's probably easier for me as an owner to get away than it is for a staff pharmacist because I can control my schedule. So I have to lead in that regard and we need our other owners to be leaders. So why we're incredibly fortunate to to have volunteers like Heather, um, you know, leading Pisney right now. You know, she did give a shout out to Deanna earlier, that this poor lady, she joined us in 2019. um, And she has just been full bore ever since she joined with with PBM issues to the point where, you know, we couldn't ask for somebody more dedicated in the staff position to to lead our organization. And we really, we appreciate all the work that, that Deanna does for us.
2: And how many PisNI members are there?
3: So full-time paying members, you know, we have probably Heather was about 1,500 or something like that. You know, I, I think the majority of those are going to be pharmacy owners. You know, it's just the nature of the beast. But Pisney is the pharmacist society of the state in New York. You know, and while it's the owners who have been getting a lot of attention with this PBM stuff, you know, the president before me worked for a chain, a regional chain here in New York. The president before her was a hospital pharmacist. Um, and then two before her was actually a consultant pharmacist. So, you know, Pisney is, you know, not just an owner society. We do have an owner's academy that is very strong, you know, and in we do probably make the news the most of all the types, which is probably, you know, if your staff pharmacist working for a chain, you probably don't want to be in the news, let's be honest. But it's a little bit different. We have a little bit more freedom to say what we want and to, to kind of act. But we have some incredible board members who are chain pharmacists, who are staff pharmacists in hospitals. They have been incredibly supportive of this effort. Um, I know my regional affiliate the Albany area portion of New York um we got on a call with them and our president is is not an owner our board members most are not owners and they donated they they said that we need to donate to this fundraiser that we're having a couple months ago because you know this Medicaid issue it affects us working in, in our in our chains it affects us mm-hmm. in hospitals you know we have some incredible people in this organization who realize that just because this issue doesn't directly affect them doesn't mean it doesn't affect them at all. And we're very fortunate to have such great members and people who are forward-thinking as part of this organization.
2: It is so refreshing to hear the fact that you said that there are pharmacists from all different types in your industry that are supporting you in this effort. Because I think that's what some of our listeners really need to remember, that they have colleagues that maybe from a a smaller chain, or maybe from a grocery store, or things like that, that are still feeling a lot of the pressures that the independent owners are in the actual workflow area. And again, this this is going to bring a very significant change. And so I I know that we'll all be watching this at putt and across the country. I do want to do a plug for Pisney's uh, social media as well. Make sure you follow them. Uh, There's usually a New York pharmacist or two that you can find on Twitter, and they are usually raising hell against the PBMs. So you can easily find them. And I highly suggest that you follow them and you're able to really get an inside look at how you can help in this fight as well. Greg, is there any parting words that you would like to have our listeners know? I know that there's a lot of talk, especially since you are now part of that buying group wholesale world. I know that some of the talking points we have heard is that that part of the pharmacy supply chain tends to not get as much of the uh, spotlight because a lot of people do put it on PBMs and PBMs are trying to put it on anyone else they can. And so I really think it's important to, for our listeners to know that your organization, APCI, is supportive of PBM reform, and they you really do want to be a voice for your members.
1: Yeah, look, Lauren, you know, obviously a lot of the PBM lobbyists and special interest groups are doing everything they can to try to detract attention and don't look here, look over there. And so they are making a lot of what I would call red herring arguments, right? And some of those arguments pertain to PSAOs um, as well. You know, Sometimes they'll point the finger at wholesalers and I'm certainly not here to defend you know, any of those interests. But what I would say is, particularly when I was at a, in a state organization, And we very much recognize that these are red herring arguments and the notion that somehow a PSAO, any PSAO, not to say that they're perfect, but that a PSAO that's representing community pharmacies in contracting somehow is playing a role in PBM steering and PBM price manipulation and PBMs engaging in all of these games that are increasing costs and reducing access you know, when I was at the state organization, frankly, found laughable and find that laughable today as well. And so the hope is always that those sort of arguments don't get momentum and legislators are able to stay focused on what the root cause of the problems are. And that's PBMs engaging in these take or leave contracts that really can't be negotiated or very little negotiated and engaging in practices that are manipulating drug prices at every level, because ultimately, PBMs at their worst, they would probably argue at their best, everybody loses, the pharmacy, the patient, the taxpayer, the payer. The reason I am an APCI is to fight PBMs, right? I mean, that's that's why I am there. Um, and they they wanted me to be as aggressive as possible, and APCI is being as aggressive as possible. And so that's what we're there out there doing, trying to fight that fight. But in terms of you know, parting words, what I would say is, again, I would emphasize I'm being redundant, but change is hard, right? Status quo is easy, change is hard. And I think what Pisney has proven is if if you're determined, and I always say like these cliches, right? But Precision beats power and pressure bust pipes. And so that's what they did, right? They executed precisely on from a data perspective, from an advocacy perspective, from a PR perspective, and they kept that pressure up. And they've beaten amongst the biggest companies in the world, right? They they have, it's, it's David versus Goliath and they kept the foot, foot on the gas as Heather said. And I would say just nationwide, this is the time to continue to do that, right? It's the time to put the foot on the gas, whether your battle is carve out, whether it's prescription drug reform, whether it's steering, Um, Whether it's advocating for your patients, this is the time. I always say this, right? Pharmacists are the ones behind the counter and they are laboring every single day in almost unimaginable conditions. And, you know, you get these victories, you know, in some states and sometimes there's enforcement issues. Carve out is a pure victory, right? Once that's implemented, you will see Sweeping change and it will be fantastic for members and it will keep stores in business and it will keep patients in those stores. So, but you know, there is fatigue and I get that, right? And so I think it's great to celebrate wins. And I think that's awesome here that, that we're here talking about sort of what this means to pharmacy. But this is the time for pharmacy to fight, you know, at the state level, at the federal level. And to seek aggressive solutions because change is possible. You know, pharmacists are amongst the most respected members of their community. They are there on the front lines caring for folks, whether it was through COVID, whether it's you know before COVID, right? Pharmacists are there, they're accessible, and they labor under really, really hard conditions. But when they get organized and they have sort of that grassroots and they are fighting the right fight for the right solutions. Pharmacists can move mountains, and you know. Someday, I think yeah, I'm a I'm a political fan, and I do believe somebody's going to look back at this period, and it's going to be eye opening because it's not often that you see these sort of grassroots, you know, main street providers win big victories against companies that are amongst the biggest on earth, really in the history of, of the world. So, I think time to keep fighting and take inspiration and our lessons from New York and other places, and plow ahead.
2: Absolutely. And Heather, if we had a crystal ball and we can look six months from now into the Medicaid carve out and let's say there are pharmacists in New York that are realizing that because of this change in fee for service, they do have a little extra breathing room and they may want to get more involved in Pisney, whether that be serving on a committee or just offering to help other independent owners get more involved. How would the best way for them to do so
0: That's a great question. And I think the answer is different for everyone because I think that there's employee pharmacists who think, well, you know, an organization like Pisney doesn't really need my membership. Look at what they've been able to accomplish without me. But we're hoping that when this win comes through, that that will be the motivation for even more people to get involved than are currently involved. Because just by joining the organization, their membership dollars go for all this good work that's happening on on all of our behalf. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important whether someone doesn't feel that maybe they're able to have the time to join a committee or, you know, spearhead a task force or join the board, even something as simple as, as joining and getting involved in. Being in the know and having access to the wonderful e-scripts that come out every week and just being much more engaged in our profession, that will motivate them that in maybe a year, maybe they say, hey, you know, I really like this. I really want to get more involved. And then they join the committee and they tell their friends and it becomes word of mouth. You know, I think that Pisney is doing great things, as are many state associations across the country. And I just hope that people can look to these successes and say, that's the reason I need to get involved. I need to keep this momentum going for the next generation and make sure that our profession stays at that pinnacle where we are respected and we are able to help. You know, one of the things that we've talked about throughout this whole fight is access and, you know, we have a major chain that is prevented from participating in one of our main MCOs. And well, I'm sure it's going to mean some work, you know, for those pharmacists that are back at those chains that currently aren't serving those patients, but I hope they see the satisfaction when those patients are able to return from a virtual pharmacy desert back to their pharmacy of choice, which may in fact be a chain because it might be the only pharmacy in their community. So I hope they're able to welcome those patients back with open arms, you know, look to Pisney as something that they should get involved in. And maybe it's as simple as just joining it as a member just to get involved and see how it goes.
2: And Steve, a similar question, but I know that you have been instrumental in helping get this topic, the awareness that it needs. I know there's a lot of people in New York that have come alongside you and really helped move the ball. But really, I think the owners that really dug in and wanted to make sure that they did not miss their chance to do this, because it does take a long time to educate legislators and get people on board. And I mean, the fact that you guys were able to get the state of New York to realize the importance that pharmacists play in this role and being healthcare providers more than just the Dispensers of medication, but actually being able to be an important part of that healthcare team. So, what do you see happening six months or a year from now, besides just every state clamoring to say, I want to do what New York does because we see 400 million, over half a billion in savings? that is real true money and savings that can come back to our state. And if it's coming into the independent pharmacies, it's coming back to their community as well.
3: Yeah, I think I would hit the nail on the head with the community. You know, I think New York, our scope of practice needs some serious updating. And we're excited by the provision. We didn't even get into the other part of the governor's budget where we have scope of practice enhancements that are incredibly exciting. You know, six months from now, like, We've accomplished this fee-for-service thing because for the next two months, we're we're not taking our foot off the gas, like we said. Pisney is in Albany. We're in the legislative office buildings every week. We have a lobby day coming up, March 14th, where we're bringing owners from throughout the state into the Capitol again, hopefully in probably a little bit different tone than the last time we were there, more (laughs) of a grateful one. Um, So we're excited about that, but we wanna put our owners in front of their legislators. You know, with that being said, here in New York, legislators are typically in Albany Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They're back in their district. Our members need to be meeting and talking to them. You know, we cannot be taking our foot off the gas. We do have opponents who say that this carve out is a bad thing and we can't let them have their way and rip this out from us underneath us. Again, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that doesn't happen. And then once it goes through, we are excited. We have um, our Department of Financial Services has first of its kind in the country, I believe, the PBM Bureau, you know, led by that team. And um, they are just getting underway. They're really getting their feet wet, and they are doing some incredible work with some complaints that we've already heard about. Oh, yeah, incredibly effective at at improving some of the PBM practices we all have problems with. So so big shout out to to Eamon Rock and his team at DFS. Um, They came to our, our Rochester Convention mentioned last year and kind of laid out their plan they're going to be doing a lot more outreach in 2023 once this budget is over but they've already been incredibly effective for a number of pharmacists and pharmacies here in New York and and that was through the, the same hard work you know what i mean we so if we get the pbm's regulated we get fee for service under control where we at least have a, a stable business model you know we know here in New York we need to do a cost of, a cost of dispensing study 1018 is from probably more than six years ago at this point, you know, is that still the cost of dispensing here in New York today? Probably not. You know, we we know that's the case. So one step at a time, PISC is going to continue to be there and and stay busy to to fight for pharmacy, both here in New York and, and throughout the country.
2: And I will say that I still have my sign that I had in New York by Save Our Community Pharmacy, and I have it in my pharmacy. Okay. And every time we bring a legislator in and, or if there's a patient that had a problem, I take a picture of them holding that sign and send it to my legislator, her cheek goes down. And so I cannot stress that you can go to the putt store and you can get some of those uh, wonderful things that we have that are icebreakers with your legislator that you bring into the store. Uh, There's some pins that have been flying around social media that uh, are a putt special. And so you may see they are uh, uh, not so nice to PBMs, but uh, our members tend to love them. And legislators think they're funny. A lot of legislators have a pin collection a button collection you know from campaigns and things like that they think they're hilarious and so uh, there are definitely ways that you can be remembered when your legislator is uh, trying to figure out which one of the many lobbyists stopping by their office they need to be listening to so you can go to truthrx.org forward slash putt shop and so you can check that out and Steve why don't you give Pisney's uh, website so people can find out more about the fixrx campaign as well
3: Yes, thank you, Lauren, Uh, www.pisney.org. PSSNY, Pharmacist Society of the State of New York. Yes, we do take some crap for the name every once in a while, but it is what it is. We have a long, proud tradition here in New York, so we are not changing the name. <laughs> with that being said, uh, social media is an incredible way to follow us. Uh, we try to be pretty active with that. Our RPR firm, really excited about the next couple of months. We have some work to do. You know, I'm not gonna lie and I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. You know, We've gotta stay in front of this issue, but we've got a plan to do it you know, so we're going to do everything in our power to, to see this fee for service thing through, and then move on, you know, like you said, a couple months from now to be back in our communities, uh, doing what we need to do to make a difference.
2: We wish you all of our friends in New York the best of luck. Congratulations on this very hard-fought, well-earned win. It is incredible, and we will all be toasting you on April 1st that you get to experience the wonderful world of the carve-out. And uh, those of us in other states that haven't quite reached that goal yet, we will still be pressing on and uh, working as hard as we can to make sure that we're able to help serve our patients even under the thumb of those MCOs. So we're (laughs) going to keep trying. Thank you all for joining us. Heather, I will definitely be listening and watching for that joint committee hearing at the end of February, because I think it's amazing when pharmacists are able to actually get in front of legislators and really get their story told. Best of luck to you in the upcoming committee. And again, congratulations to all of our friends at Pisney and across the state of New York. And thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. You can find out all you want to know about Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency at www.truthrx.org. You can also find other episodes of the podcast and another podcast we have launching called PBM on the Rocks. And uh, you're welcome to sign up for our monthly put newsletter. You can sign up at truthrx.org. Have a great night and thank you guys for joining us.